Hi, I'm Laura Geller, and I am the founder of Laura Geller Beauty. And what I love about beauty and this industry is creating the products that solve the problems for every single woman out there, making it much more fun to do makeup. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We're so excited to have you. I know I was about to say the same thing. I'm excited to be here and especially with you. I, as long as I've known you, I feel like I don't know if I've gotten the full backstory of sort of where you began. I know your brand just celebrated its 25th anniversary. So kind of rewind us to the beginning. And how did it all start? Because, you know, you're a female entrepreneur and your business has grown so much over the years. And it's so inspiring to so many people who are, you know, getting their start too. So tell us a little bit about the beginning. Well, first, I want to say, Thank God for the platform you have to give founders and CEOs the chance to share the stories because you're right. There are so many people starting and I wish I would have had this opportunity to listen and learn because when I started out, which is more than 40 years ago, there was no mentorship. There was none of these podcasts. And so, you know, you sort of found your journey on your own. And what it was for me really was that I loved business of makeup. I didn't understand it, but I knew I loved it and I knew I had to explore it. So I started out really as a TV film and stage makeup artist. And I worked on some of the late greats that you can't even believe, like Audrey Hepburn and Ginger Rogers. And, you know, of course they were older, so I don't want to age myself out here. I almost can't believe that, Laura. (laughs) No, it's true. I have a whole book of me working with these celebrities because I worked on a film series where they interviewed the greats, the icons, and I flew out to Los Angeles and did this show. It was called Reflections of the Silver Screen. And what I loved about it more than anything was I knew how to put the talent at ease. And I guess it was my personality. And what I found was that they opened up to me in a way that was very intimate and personal. And while I was making them up and that was fun and it was nice to say, you know, I got to work on Audrey Hepburn. The best part was that I became friends with some of them because they felt safe with me. I think they realized that I was there to listen and it wasn't about my journey. It was about them. And so I started to realize that I might have had this gift where I can disarm women and even such powerful women in the industry and men, by the way. And I said, you know, I see something else evolving and I started doing makeup for not just TV and film stores, but for everyday, you know, women like myself. I worked in a store at the time in Manhattan that really catered to TV film makeup artists. It was like a theatrical film makeup store, but they also had a line of makeup that we called street makeup, which is regular makeup. And so I had the gift of knowing how to do blood caps and aging a face And I worked with people like Wade Bandy that would come in and ask me for advice. Kevin O'Quan, they would come in because we sold stage makeup and we sold theatrical makeup. So talent would come in there. 
But what I found was they had these private rooms in the back, like three or four of them. And they had all working makeup artists there. And then women could come in for a makeup lesson for an hour. And it was $25. And they got a face chart at the end. And if you sold, let's see, $90 worth of product, you got a $5 bonus. But if you sold 130 you got 10 I love it. I was trained to do also real makeup on real women. And I became so busy with that because people started getting word that I was a great educator. They were comfortable with me. I taught them in a way that they understood it. It wasn't like I just made them up and they walked out. And almost always without question, I hit that $130 because they wanted to buy everything I used on them, realized that they can recreate the same look. So not only did I realize that I had the gift of working with women and making them comfortable, but then I realized I might be a salesperson and I might enjoy the climb and enjoy selling. It was very gratifying knowing that I made them happy, but at the same time I was making a living and I was so busy and I worked there for 10 years. And while I was there, I was still doing TV and film. I still had many costume designers that hired me to come to theater to work with them to solve problems with their talent because they really didn't have budget in Broadway for a full-time makeup artist. So I'd come in and work with the lead and teach them how to do their makeup for their role in the show. So I was running myself ragged. But what I realized I liked the most was working to teach women how to do makeup. So I decided it was time for me to start my own business. And I had the clever idea that I would get an apartment right around the corner from the store that I worked in because all my customers and I was busy would find it convenient to come to me. So I took an apartment in Hell's Kitchen and I found, and I set up a whole makeup table and lights and I found while I was busy, nobody wanted to come to Hell's Kitchen back in the day. And they would say, what are you doing in this area? I was on 8th Avenue in the 50s. And, and it was only a matter of a few avenues difference from where I was before, but it was very different, a very different climate. And then after a couple of years of doing that, all the while knowing that like, I'm not meant to be a business owner. I didn't learn the business of beauty. I learned how to be a makeup artist and a saleswoman. And you know, I didn't go to college. I went to beauty school and I got licensed right out of high school. So I kept avoiding the obvious, which was opening my own business. And everybody kept saying to me, build it and we will come. So I decided I would look for real estate on the Upper East Side because I started to amass a clientele for some odd reason that was mostly centric on the East Side of Manhattan. And I found a little boutique that was on Lexington and 74th, 550 square feet. And I was like, I'm going to do this, you know, and borrowed from my friend, Sarah, my friend, Nancy, my uncle Morris, my father, you know, everybody loaned me $5,000, you know, $10,000, my cousins in Los Angeles. I literally had to borrow money from everybody. And my father, may he rest in peace, came to the store and said, what? He said, this is tiny. I said, dad, it's a store on the ground level of the east side of Manhattan. I've been working out of my apartment for the last million years. Are you kidding? This is like, I made it. He's like, you're going to outgrow this store. It's like a palace compared to your, <laughs> I'm sure. It was exactly that. So there was only one room for privacy. So I decided to make that room 
also into a facial bed so that I could also offer uh, facials. I don't know what I was thinking. So I hired somebody who could do that. And everybody wanted the private room, of course. And so I had all the TV and film people that I used to work on from all the TV shows. I worked on Entertainment Tonight. I worked on some of the shows that maybe people won't recognize the name of because it was like years ago, Current Affair, Inside Edition. Oh, yeah. I remember. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear you remember some of them. And then I was also the makeup artist for Cindy Adams, who's a gossip columnist for 10 years. All of these journalists came out and covered the opening of my store and I was slammed. And it was private label makeup. I just ordered from a manufacturer off the shelves, stuck a clear label on top of it, had bags made in my favorite color, didn't know about branding. And it was so much fun and I was so busy, but I was faced with the perils of running the business. And that was really hard for me. It was really hard. I mean, I was there opening those gates. You know, I didn't have money for electric gates, closing late at night. I was Joy Behar's makeup artist. She used to say, are you in the basement? It's 11 o'clock, get out of there. But I was having the time of my life. I really was. And I started doing weddings. I mean, to this day, people stop me and say, you did my wedding. Now you just, re- you also did my, my son's bar mitzvah and my daughter's bat mitzvah. I mean, I've done three generations. And then fast forward 1997. So I had my store in 1993. In 1997, I was at a cosmetic executive women function, their holiday party that they have every December. And I met the head of beauty for QVC. And I was with my publicist at the time and they knew each other. And the head of QVC said to me, you know, I've been reading about you. I'd love to talk to you about the opportunity to come on QVC. And my heart started palpitating. I bet. Yeah, I loved giving lessons and talking to people. And people used to say to me, you know, you should be on QVC or HSN because, you know, instead of talking to one person at a time, you could talk to a hundred million people at a time. So I put together the only thing I really knew, which was contour and highlight kit, because what you learn in theater and film makeup school is about, they call it chiaroscuro, the art of re-sculpting a face. And so I put together this compact and half of it was like a brown color with the other part was white, a tool to put it on, a blender to blend everything, called my best friend, said, oh, I need an insert. She goes, I had print shop deluxe, I'll create an insert for you. Talk about not having the opportunity in those days to have nowhere to reach for help, you know. You were scrappy. You made it happen. Scrappy is the word. Let me tell you. Called my mother, said, do we still have the bridge table in the garage? Can I come get it? And can you get all your friends to wrap up? Because they gave me an order QVC for 750 you know, units. And my mother said, as long as you feed them. And all my mother's friends came, sat around the table in the back of the store and hand wrapped 750 contour and highlight collections. We called it the face structuring kit. And I went on air and I was a nervous wreck. I know what a panic attack is. I had one. I was so nervous. When I got on the set, April, something came over me. And what it was, was I was so accustomed to being on TV and film sets and cameras and technicians that I I started to calm down. And it was like, I was home. 
And it was very natural for me. And the red light came on and the host at that time, who's still to this day, my friend, 25 years later, said, okay, let's do it. And I demonstrated how to contour and highlight your face. And we sold out of that kit in seven minutes. And my world changed. And that's when my world changed. Wow. What a story, Laura. That's just amazing. So then you probably had to figure out how to get some other people to wrap up more products that weren't your mom's friends, I would imagine. How'd you know? How'd you know? (laughs) The next order was for 1,200 units. I didn't even know I'd be going back. The fax machine two days later started making noise in the basement of my store. And my bookkeeper and I were sitting there and we're like, what is that? It was QVC, an order for 1,200 of the face structuring kit. And I called my mother. I said, oh, no, no, no. You got to get more friends over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly right. So for a number of years, I sort of was floating on creating new ideas because QVC is about innovation and what else new you can bring. And so they challenged me. And one of the items that If I knew then what I know today, I wish I could have built this category and sealed the deal in a way that people would have said, Laura Gell is responsible for that category. I came out with Spackle. Yes, that is iconic, Laura. Thank you. It was really birthed because I was working on a very famous TV anchor. She's still on TV and she would make the joke, you know, all the time. Oh, I need more than makeup today. I need uh some spackle. You have any of that in your kit? And I kept like, and Nora Ephron, the famous comic writer, movie producer, talked about that same tongue-in-cheek expression in her books. And I knew Nora. And I thought, you know, there's something here. I was making up talent and we were taught never to put moisturizer or anything emollient under the makeup because if they had to be under hot lights or it had to last all day, you had to make them up on top, uh, you know, up with matte on a matte face. And it was always dry looking, but you didn't see that on camera because of filters, but it didn't feel comfortable. And I thought, what if I could come up with something called spackle that filled in the fine lines and wrinkles, but felt really hydrating, but didn't have the capacity to penetrate the skin. And I worked with an R&D lab and it was in a glass jar and I went on air with it. And so that was more than two decades ago. And now we have 10 different spackles for skin types, complexions, and it is an iconic primer in our range. So it's one of the greatest stories for me of all time, truly. Oh, it really is such an amazing story. Wow. And just to see how your brand has evolved over the years. So once you started to get these big orders from QVC and having to come up with these new innovations, how did you evolve your business out of, you know, your store and then out of your mom's house and that type of thing? (laughs) How did you get the facilities and the staff and how did that work? Did you enlist help? Did you kind of do it on your own or? Well, this is where I, I hope any new brand founder Indeed brand is listening up, although the climate is so different today and there's so much opportunity. I mean, you had some great guests on this podcast that are investors. I know personally, so there's the opportunity for them to have already explored this opportunity. But for me, what happened was already in 2009 or 10, I was funding everything myself, still running my store, opening and closing it running down to Westchester, Pennsylvania from Manhattan, trying to do it all and thinking it was really good that I was 100% owner. But I was really, really tired. 
And I also saw that I was inhibiting myself, that I couldn't get out of my own way. And I couldn't scale the business the way I wanted to. In fact, I think it was 2008, Sephora approached me because of Spackle. They said it was the most searched word on their websites, the word Spackle. Wow, people were looking for it. People were looking for it. So I flew to San Francisco and met with Sephora, you know, with my bookkeeper. And I was doing that too. We launched in Sephora. Then they were like, we want you in every door. And anybody who's listening to this knows what it's like being in brick and mortar and the challenges of keeping up, let alone still having a store, still being on air, still trying. Well, I stopped doing weddings and I stopped doing eyebrow waxes because it really was taking me away from the big picture. But I got a note under my door, April. I didn't know about like, who would I even talk to about investing in my business? I got a note under my door from a banker and it said, are you interested in selling any part of your business? And I contacted her and I said, I don't understand like what this is about. And she said, well, why don't we meet for coffee? She said, I'll help you put a book together. I said, a book? And she said, yeah, you have to put, you know, everything in there about all the retail you're in and everything it takes to want to present yourself in front of investors. And I did not have the infrastructure to help her get that book together in time. So my accountant helped me and it took more years than I care to mention. And we got a book together and we then sought out beauty investors. And that's when I found that what people were most interested in was the founder story. And what they were most attracted to was the grit and guts of a founder and how hard they want to work. And I had a couple suitors and I wound up picking somebody that really was proud of what I had done. And it made me feel good about what I had done. And so they invested a majority of finance into my business and I was no longer majority, no longer 100% owner. Um, I was minority partner and that happened in 2012. So really I was on that journey a long time before I had investors. And had I had better mentorship, I probably would have said, yeah, I'm ready for it now in early 2000. But nonetheless, I arrived and I'm so happy for where I am right now. That's amazing. And obviously over the years, your products themselves have evolved so much from just getting the white label kind of products to the formulations that you're known for, you know, all the baked formulas that I know are made in Italy and there's so much craftsmanship behind them. So how did you get, you know, more into the product formulation part of it? Obviously the artistry was your origin. So how did that happen? Yeah. Well, like I said, QVC, I mean, I had become so busy on QVC with two hour shows, one hour shows. And the most important thing that really is the magic behind staying on air 25 years is to keep evolving and keep innovating. And my motto is try to innovate, not imitate. And so I was constantly challenged, like, you know, come on, you have something new up your sleeve. And, you know, I laugh today because I think I've done every category more than once, new ingredients, new delivery systems. I see people coming out with things that I did 25 years ago. And I'm like, darn it, you know, I can't do that again. It's not possible. I have to, you know, I've already done that. So I can't come back with that. And this person's coming out with it. And it looks like it's a brand new item. But what happened was I went to every single manufacturer 
imaginable. I went to every formulation show, all the trade shows. And in my vanity drawer, I had a bronzer that I was using for years. I mean, really, it probably should have been banned. It was so old. But it was so quick and easy. And it was all these pigments in this compact. And I just brushed it on every day. And I loved that I got this bronze look. And when they asked me for something new, I, I was staring at it going, wait a minute, what is this? And where did I get it from? And I found the distributor who sent it to me along with um, a box of products that you know he represented. And I realized it was from him, called him and said, I love this item. I think I need to launch it on QVC. Like, can you tell me about it? He said, I'll go a step further. I'm going to take you to Italy and you're going to go to the factory where this is made. And I was like, oh my gosh, my son was eight years old. I took two of my best friends and we made it into a a little vacation. But I went to the South of Italy to the small little factory where in those days they let you in and they let you on the line and they let you even scoop some out. And I found out And by the way, they made product for some of the biggest brands in the world. And I was so surprised nobody talked about the baking process. Yeah, I had never heard of it before you. Yeah, I mean, because if you're in brick and mortar, how do you speak to it in a shelf talker or a point to purchase? It's very hard. In fact, we tried to do that when we were in stores because the story is incredible and the craftsmanship and the artisanship, the way it's done is so incredible. So I launched this bronzer on QVC, one color. I may have had too much wine one night. I called it regular for the shade. I don't know what I was thinking. I really don't. But I just named it regular and I called it bronze and brighten because it had a little pink and a little bronze and it bronzed my face, but it brightened my face. And I went on with it. And people received it and they were like, well, what else do you have that's baked? I was like, nothing. They were like, well, we need more baked. Back to the drawing board. We created Balance and Brighton, Blush and Brighton. We even did a baked lipstick that got an award because it was poured. It's the process is so uniquely different. It's cream baked into a powder. So no fillers, no binders. And so between the Spackle franchise and the Bake franchise, I couldn't keep up. And it's still to this day, my customers speak so loudly. We have such a loyal following. And, you know, when I try to do something that's not baked or a different version of Spackle, they're like, no, we won't have it. We want the original. That's how you know you have something great. April, you're so right. So I feel very fortunate that I have a point of difference. I feel fortunate that I have good partners in QVC that have protected my franchise. And I still continue to talk to my customers. I feel blessed that I am so involved with the company, social media, and I speak to them. I mean, some of them have my private numbers and I always say, I need the dirty truth. You need to tell me because I can only get better if you tell me like. So I have customers writing me going, all right, Laura, the porcelain is not porcelain enough for me. Can you make something that's like porcelain mixed with like an alabaster? Like I learn from my customers. And I think when you stop speaking to her, him, you know, you're no longer in touch with what people want and need. So true. And I feel like your brand does such a great job of being inclusive of all ages, especially. And that's something I'm seeing more and more, you know, with your brand ambassadors. And is that something that was a conscious decision or always kind of part of the brand's DNA? I always used to say, I still say it, we're 19 to 90 below and beyond. Because 
I do think that our makeup is for everybody and we marketed it to everybody. But this is another cautionary tale for anybody who wants to get into a space where they want to really get recognized for who they are. You have to lean into learning about who your demographic is. And I always knew who my demographic was because my majority of my customer came from QVC. And in Sephora, it was a much younger customer, but the majority of our business was at the time QVC. And I knew it was 40 plus. And I wanted to lean into that space more, but not everybody, you know, I wasn't the only person with a voice. So not everybody had my theory and or understood it because they felt you shouldn't eliminate any age category. You should speak to everybody. But we did, the company that I am owned by now, did a deep dive brand analysis about three years ago. And in the last two years, they embraced our demographic and I my life changed again. It's like a resurgence of Laura Geller. It's like, what has everybody not been listening to? They listened and they are doing it. And I'm so grateful because it is, and listen, I still hear from young women that they wear my makeup. So even though we're speaking to 40 plus, it's not like I'm eliminating any category of people, but people are so grateful and I think what makes it different is the people we're choosing to represent our product, the models we're using, the real women and men we use, and also the products that I create. And nobody ever sees what goes behind that, but I'm a stickler, maybe to a fault, about our product development. And for me, as a 64-year-old and being in the business since I'm literally right out of high school, I understand the evolving changing skin and the needs of women in every decade. So it's important to me to create products that are going to work on women who are 40 plus and that they can use and enjoy using and have fun with it. And it solves a problem. I don't like fluffy stuff. I like stuff that solves a problem. I love that. There's always a purpose behind all of your products. There's not just, you know, this shade of this, you know, just because there's always a reason because it really makes you look great and solves a problem. A hundred percent. And let me tell you when we fall short of that, and there are times that due to timing or you have to come out with the product and accept it as it is and launch it because it was scheduled to be on air. And I will know personally like, oh no, it's not exactly right. And almost always I want to be proved wrong, but almost always when that happens, she speaks very loudly. And tells me, you know what? I don't really like this. It has too much glitter in it. (laughs) So back to the drawing board. And, you know, you don't get a second chance to come back when you create something that's uniquely different. You can't just come back and say, okay, let me do that again. It's like, what do they say? Flash in the pan or? Flash in the pan, yeah. That's it. You know, all the hard work you put into it, if it falls short just a little, maybe nobody will notice, you hope. But if you notice, and me, I notice. I noticed. So it's tough. That part's tough. Product development, I think everybody who's listening any in any capacity in this business or the beauty industry would say, in my opinion, that's the hardest part of my business, the most challenging. To make things that really are different and work. And there's a lot out there. Absolutely. It was not when the business slowed down or 
you had an, an angry customer over something or where's the next thrust of people coming from? It was always, how do I keep on top of things and have great product and brand awareness? And thank God for social media today. I never would have thought that I could get my message across so much beside QVC. Social media, that's the other thing. Our brand really leans into using me and my likeness. And I'm grateful for that because I have a message and a story to tell. So I'm glad I could share that. Yeah. And so much expertise. There's not a lot of brand founders that, you know, are actually artists too. And that is so unique. And that's a whole other thing is that people want the advice and the tips and the how to, and you provide that all in one. And so that's so unique and special. And I'm sure people appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. So where do you envision the brand evolving? How do you see it growing into the future? Obviously, it's grown so much over 25 years, and but yet stayed true to who you are and you know your ethos of what you want to put out into the world. So how do you see that evolving? I would be happy if it kept going in the trajectory it is in right now today. If somebody said to me, you know what, we love what you're doing, because I still never feel like I've arrived. There's so much more to do. That's a good thing, I think. It's really a good thing. My hope is that it won't be only QVC that I get to speak to women. I want to continue to speak to women and men through social media, through other forms of ways of communicating and touching and speaking to them. And then, of course, LauraGeller.com. Oh, my God, has it? It's exploded. I mean, we just got Oprah's favorite things two days ago. Yes, congratulations. I just saw that. And that was a pinnacle moment for me too, because to get noticed like that, you know, I dreamed of that. But so to continue along the path of building out and growing wherever we could make a difference. It's not about just getting into any brick and mortar. I've done that. I've been there. But, you know, my biggest frustration for me was when I was in Sephora and Ulta, we had to fill up a five foot gondola. And I always used to say, you know, don't forget the bottom shelf because that's where we'd have products that really weren't well known, but we had to fill up five feet of product. For me, it's like, let's just get what people know or are aware of or could find that's uniquely different if we're going to go into more brick and mortar and not just fill it in to fill it in, but to make a difference. And so continue to build out distribution so more people can get to the product and touch and feel it because you can't do that, you know, when I'm talking to you on QVC or social media. So that's my hope to get more brand awareness out in distribution. Amazing. Well, Laura, usually ask for a little final thought that you want to leave our listeners with any words of advice or inspiration. Obviously you've given a lot in our little chat. Well, I listened to so many of these podcasts that you guys have done and I was blown away. So I feel like everybody has gospel to share. My gospel is if it comes easy, something's wrong. And the journey has to have a lot of pitfalls for you to appreciate the wins and to keep going and not be afraid to ask for help and not try to do it all. And if it means finding the right partners, doing your due diligence, you have to really work hard on doing that because it's, you know, the beauty of business is there's nothing like it in the world. 
And I think all of us in this space would agree. And it's always evolving and changing, which is why it keeps us all on our toes. But now there's so many more resources. So don't be afraid to ask for help. And don't think that your journey's over because you haven't gotten recognized yet or haven't gotten that investment. It will happen because if it can happen to me, it could happen to you. I love that, Laura. What an amazing success story. And it's just continues. So thank you so much for sharing it. And how can listeners connect with you? Instagram, website, LinkedIn, whatever you want. I'm so glad you asked that because my own personal Instagram, I don't have enough followers. So come follow me at Laura J. Laura J. Geller is my own Instagram, but our beauty page is Laura Geller Beauty. And that's where we want you to come to mostly because that's where we really do. I mean, we're constant on Laura Geller Beauty. I have to get better at my own private Instagram. I love following you. So (laughs) thank you. you. I appreciate I love following you. Oh, thank you, Laura. You're the best. We really appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you to everyone for listening. Check back next week for another great guest. I'm April Franzino, and this is Beauty Is Your Business. This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.